I'm Arthur Snell, and I'm uncovering more of the dangers threatening our world in a brand new season of Doomsday Watch. From the deadly mission creep that comes from our increased use of drones and special ops forces, to the invisible war between Saudi Arabia and Iran, to America's worsening political crisis. That's the new series of Doomsday Watch, out now on your favourite apps. So subscribe now, before it's too late. This is a crowd podcast. We're keyboard warriors. We're really hot shit when it comes to typing on a keyboard, but no actual confrontation. The situation here in Santa Monica, California is very fluid. You can see police here now firing tear gas into the crowd. Do you know where we are? For the first time ever, I am seeing a sea of people at these protests. It is not just black people. You'll recognize the chant. It is not just leftist people. It is not any political group. It is America who is upset because there's an injustice. It's the summer of 2020 and America's on fire. From Atlanta to Boston, Houston to Memphis. The spark erupts in Minneapolis in late May. And within days, over 2,000 cities are aflame with shouts for change. Racial oppression and police brutality. It's been going on for centuries, and people have had enough. Stop killing black people! And a few days later, rumblings are astirring in San Francisco. A video has been posted online by the Reddit co-founder and member of the board, Alexis Ohanian, and he's making a shock announcement. I'm out, is the message. Goodbye, Reddit. I'm saying this as a father who needs to be able to answer his black daughter when she asks, what did you do, he says. And then he says this, I've urged them to fill my seat with a black candidate. It's huge, and it's overdue. Let's rewind a year. The racist jogger meme is doing the rounds on Reddit. Rewind another few years, and a white supremacist rally in Charlottesville ends in the tragic death of Heather Heyer. Rewind again. It's November 2016, and Donald Trump wins the U.S. presidential election. Again, it's 2015, and Reddit's first female CEO and first woman of color to fill the seat, Ellen Powell, is hounded out in a tidal wave of controversy. And a lot of this can be traced back to one place. One sub. The sub that would become the longest-standing moral dilemma on Reddit. The dirtiest, greasiest stain on the map of its history. These were actual Nazis. These were bad, 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 awful people. I'm Katie Puckrick, and this is Dot Com Reddit Land. Episode 5, The Donald. So my name is Jody Williams. Uh, I live in Central Texas. I'm a retired disabled veteran, husband, and father of three. This is the first guy we're going to meet. 
I'm speaking to him one afternoon in January 2022. A retired disabled veteran, he calls himself. I lost my left leg uh, in an uh, below the knee in an accident on base. And you had a lot of surgeries with that? Like that was an ongoing situation? <laughs> you could say that. I'm still having surgeries, yes. Mm. So tell me about how you got into Reddit and um, and when that happened. So I actually got into Reddit at first when I was losing my leg. Uh, so I, I got injured on base in uh, 05, the day before Hurricane Katrina hit, actually. I had chosen to remove it, and I had just joined Reddit and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to find somebody to help me donate this, my leg, because uh, I was pretty depressed about it, obviously. <laughs> and I wanted it to mean something. So I joined Reddit, and uh, I started asking around about it, and somebody said, hey, you know, your story sounds pretty interesting. Why don't you do an AMA? And I, so I, that's what I did, and it was very, very large. I think there was between four and 5,000 comments by the end of it. And I still get uh, messages from that to this very day. But that, that's what got me onto Reddit, was just trying to find somebody to help me do something with my leg. And I did find somebody. I ended up donating my leg to um, a search and rescue group that uses it to train dogs to find uh, people after disasters. Whoa. Jody's leg has been used all over the U.S. to train search and rescue dogs. In operations like... There was a train wreck in Philadelphia a few years back. And then most recently, the uh, Miami condominium collapse. What a freaky thought. His leg sort of taken on a life of its own. And funny enough, it'll outlive me most likely. Yeesh. But I ain't got him on the phone to talk about taxidermy. Jody's a political dude. He was watching the 2016 presidential election like a hawk. And he was into one guy in particular. I joined the Donald subreddit in uh, August of 2016, shortly after Ted Cruz had dropped out of the race. Right. And tell me about the process of your growing support for Donald Trump back in 2016. Uh, What did you like about him? What were the things that appealed to him? What did he offer you? I was looking for someone who is more of an originalist interpreter of the Constitution. And um, I still believed at that point that uh, Ted Cruz was the better of the two candidates. But I thought, you know, Ted Cruz had dropped out, obviously. So uh, Donald Trump was, was good enough. So when he finds the sub, the Donald, he thinks, bingo. The Donald had been set up in June 2015, shortly after Trump announced he'd be running for the White House a place for self-proclaimed patriots to pile together and share their love of Donald Trump, headed by a customized version of the Reddit mascot, Snoo, who's wearing a red Make America Great Again hat and waving the U.S. flag. I asked Jody what sorts of things he'd see on the sub. You name it. Uh, (laughs) A little bit of everything. So obviously, you know, when I came in 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 2016 as a member, it was mostly, you know, a hype train, I guess you could call it. Just a, a 24-hour pep rally, trying to drum up support. A lot of the posts are just pictures, memes, and uh, they're great for political purposes because they're easy to disseminate, they're very easy to consume, and they're very easy for people to regurgitate as well. As the Donald grows, which it does at top speed, this is what it becomes known for, at the start at least, for the memes like the Pepe the Frog one, which had taken off on 4chan and had become a flag for the alt-right. 
or the one of Hillary Clinton having a snog with former Ku Klux Klaner Robert Byrd. Jody climbs up the hierarchy and is soon made a mod. By this point, the sub has gotten enormous. It would have almost 800,000 members at its peak and be ranked as one of Reddit's most active communities. People posting around the clock. Sure, memes, but more provocative topics, too, like trans rights. My personal belief has always been, you know, whatever you do is you. Just, you know, don't come and try to push on me. Just the same, I, I take all of the different... LGB, all the different letters, the same way I would take a Mormon knock at my door. You know, I, I appreciate you. you. You can keep doing your thing, but, you know, don't come to my door to sell it to me. Yeah, I mean, we've all heard that one before. Cop out. I'm trying to get a sense of the community, the collective of beliefs on the Donald. Do you feel like there were a lot of people like you, you characterize yourself as kind of a mainstream Donald Trump supporter. Uh, Do you get a sense of like, was it more men, more women? What was the age range? Uh, I would have thought that it was more men. But once I became a moderator and started uh, interacting with people because they had done something wrong or they had sent in a question, something like that, you know, uh, I, I learned that it was probably much closer to 50% male, 50% female. It was, um, it was very diverse. And uh, I would say at least 20% of them, or, or no, I should say probably 10% uh, of them were people you would have never expected, like uh, gay people. You know, a lot of people didn't think they, they were members of our community, but there was probably about 10% of the community were, were people who were either gay or were very strongly uh, in support of what you would call gay rights, I guess. So um, it, was, it was a very eclectic group. Hmm, right. 10% still means 90% who are against gay rights. Doesn't sound that eclectic to me. And that's the thing. The Donald quickly becomes known for its rejection of anyone who's outside the norm. Anyone who expressed slightly lefty views or threatened the majority sense of what was right. I'm not sure that Jody's representation is wholly accurate. He's trying to make it seem more wholesome and more innocent than it was. A place where everyone was genuinely welcome. I wouldn't say everyone. (laughs) I would say Everyone who was a supporter of Trump was, obviously. As long as you were a supporter of Trump, you could have been gay, you could have been trans, you could have been black, you could have been Mexican, you could have been Russian, Lithuanian, Chinese. It didn't matter. If you were a supporter of Trump, you were welcome. Huh. I'm having a hard time believing this cutesy image of innocent fandom. It wasn't all innocent, happy-clappy, isn't Trump such a great guy, chatter, which, depending on which way you lean, might be enough to turn you off anyway. But no, there was a much darker side to the sub that Jody's not really letting on. Some of the sub's rules are, rule number three, no racism or anti-Semitism. Rule number 10, please do not behave in a way outside of this forum that would reflect poorly on it. But here's the thing. I'm not sure those rules were strictly adhered to. Rule three, no racism or anti-Semitism, especially. Because as time went on, people started coming out of the woodwork. Par example, do you remember that guy, Khalid Massoud, who drove into a crowd of people on Westminster Bridge in London in 2017? He killed five people and injured dozens of others. 
In fact, a friend of mine actually went to school with him and remembered him as the odd outsider kid who didn't have any friends. So with that little insight of mine, my ears really pricked up when this post popped up on the Donald saying, hey, it wasn't all bad. In the end, a Muslim was shot. That's a direct quote. It gets more than 10,000 upvotes and shoots to the top of the subs page. Or this is another example. None of this gets fixed without people picking up rifles, writes one person following Oregon's 2019 climate change vote. Or this one. I have no problem shooting a cop trying to strip rights from citizens. So the mod team has their work cut out for them. Of the actual real Donald community members that we'd have to ban, typically these were people who would most likely get unbanned at a later date, uh, sometimes even immediately once they submitted an appeal. And these were people who, most, for the most part, had a bad day and they took it out on other users or they, they used language that violated the Reddit terms of service. Um, for instance, uh, calling homosexuals by pejoratives that, that I won't repeat here. Huh? That's one pretty bad day. A 2018 study by University College London looked at the Donald's use of memes. It studied 160 million memes across the web and found several fascinating things. Firstly, the most toxic of these 160 million memes and the ones that had been the most effectively spread around the rest of the internet could be traced back to two digital starting points. One of which was, yep, you guessed it, the Donald. And secondly, the Donald was the most active sub on the whole of Reddit when it came to posting memes. And the vast majority of those memes were either political or racist, or both. For instance, after that post about Khalid Massoud, the mod team adds a photo of Donald Trump driving a truck and grinning like a maniac. People love it. Apparently, even Donald Trump started to reference and spread them. In January 2017, Donald Trump walks up the steps to the White House and waves. And I can't help but wonder what role the online had in that. So I've got a question. Had this proliferation of photos and adoring jokes about Trump on the sub actually helped him win the election? The term meme was first used by, by Richard Dawkins back in the 1970s to describe a way that cultural information spreads between people. Recognize that voice? As a kind of analogy to genes being a way for genetic information to, to spread. It's Nick, our Mr. Wholesome Meme Guy, who made me feel like an ancient, fossilized artifact from the primordial ooze, but cute with it, when explaining to me about Gen Z in the last episode. The money's the ultimate meme guy? The we-don't-take-anything-too-seriously guy? I want to ask him more about this whole meme business, because there's something about the Donald that's really got me. And Nick tells me something pretty interesting. He's talking about memeing something into existence. Memeing something into existence to me is just the same idea as just society agreeing that something should exist. I mean, just like my example before with currency or money, um, memes are just a way that people can believe in something and kind of agree on something, even if it's absurdist. I mean, people like posting a picture of a funny-looking dog, and they call it Doge, and that becomes a big symbol, and you know, people are able to link it to cryptocurrency, and it becomes a big cryptocurrency. 
That's a real thing, by the way. Dogecoin is literally a dog-themed cryptocurrency. Yeah. I think that, again, like I said, a lot of these things start because they're just so absurdist and just, you know, why do they exist? And But it gets people talking. And as long as people are talking about it, you know, that idea will spread. There. Exactly that. As long as people are talking about it, that idea will spread. Funny, harmless meme equals funny, harmless Trump? Because here's the thing. Memes make you laugh, make you see the subject of that meme as a joke, not to be taken seriously. And the less you take something seriously, the more likely that thing can pick up speed and momentum, and in some cases, become a Trojan horse for something much more sinister. It's a few months down the line, August 2017, and America's on fire again. Neo-Nazis, Ku Klux Klan members, and white supremacists are gathering on the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia, in their hundreds. Confederate flags and swastika banners flapping as they begin to march. Hundreds of white nationalists and alt-right activists clashed in the streets with counter-protesters. The violent clashes began before a so-called Unite the Right rally scheduled to take place in Charlottesville's McIntyre Park. Fear and hate have been given license in our country. Racialized violence has been given permission in this country, and we are here to stand for love. And then it happens. A 20-year-old man by the name of James Alex Fields has driven through the night from his home in Ohio. And... As the Unite the Right rally marches on, faced by anti-racist protesters, James reaches his destination. James Alex Fields deliberately plunges his car into the crowd of anti-fascist protesters. Dozens of people are injured, and a 32-year-old woman is killed. Her name's Heather Heyer. It was tragic. He'd eventually be convicted of first-degree murder and given a life sentence, plus 419 years. Even in my own family, there seemed to be uncertainty about the rights and wrongs of the Tiki Torch Nazi march. One of my brothers misremembered Trump, saying, there were bad people on both sides. In other words, Trump implicitly denouncing the white power peeps, when in fact, it was Trump praising the neo-Nazis by saying there were very fine people on both sides. And I'm wondering about a link here with the sub, the Donald, because when I read about the protest or watch videos about it, they say loads of the Unite the Right protesters came straight from Reddit. So I want to know what Jody's got to say. He admits people were talking about going to the rally on the sub. But then he says... We weren't in the business of completely shutting down posts about it. But, you know, we told people to be careful. And then, weirdly, he says, hey, these weren't Donald Trump people. You know, Donald Trump people are not showing up at a rally with torches, okay? That's just not happening. It's, one, it's stupid. Second of all, it's provocative to the point of losing you support. The dumbest person, the absolute dumbest person of our community would have known that. But I don't know about that. Sure, I mean, maybe we can't make as simplistic a link as to say, oh yeah, uh, this was just a bunch of Redditors. But I'm not as confident as Jody that none of them came from the sub. And anyway, 
It's just not true these guys weren't Donald Trump people, whether they were on the sub or not. One of the two organizers of the rally, a guy called Richard B. Spencer, had told his supporters they could party like it's 1933 after Trump won the election. 1933 being the year an art school reject with a tiny little mustache became the new chancellor of Germany. Either way, after Charlottesville, the Donald has earned itself some unwanted attention. Journalists are starting to ask questions about the role it's playing in real-world violence, and the rest of Reddit is up in arms. A letter is signed by mods of other communities who represent 200 million users, demanding that Reddit act against the Donald. This is no place for hate speech and racism, they say. And finally, in 2019, the Donald is banned. Reddit said the forum had broken its rules by allowing people to target and harass others with hate speech. They said that they tried to reason with this group, the Donald, for a while. They actually quarantined the group at first, but they mm -hmm. said we've given them many opportunities to be successful. The message is clear. They have no intention of working with us, so they took this step. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting sign of a trend here. These platforms used to be free-for-alls, no yeah. rules at all, and now they're saying, well, actually, there are going to be parameters. And its 790,000 members are cut loose. It's time for a short break for some ads. And after that, we're finding out what happened next and how the story got a whole lot worse. <laughs> Don't laugh at me whistling in a jaunty fashion. I wish I could whistle as well. Hello, my friend Tom and I. Hi guys, I'm Tom. Yeah, he's Tom. Have this amazing history podcast. It's called We Didn't Start the Fire, and it's the only podcast started by Billy Joel. And Katie, without being boastful, it really is the most original, fascinating, and random way to learn the story of the 20th century. I think that's being boastful. Hello, it's Tom here, part of the dot-com team. Eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals. Always fresh, never frozen, each meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. I'm a flexitarian, so with a weekly menu of 35 options, there's plenty for me to choose from. Last night, I had the Moroccan-style almond-crusted salmon, and it was delicious. If you want more than meals, there's over 60 add-ons like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks and smoothies to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. And if you're looking for gourmet options, you can try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini and asparagus. Customise your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. You can always pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. So what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash thehacking50 and use code thehacking50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code thehacking50 at factormeals.com slash thehacking50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hello, I'm Matt Ford. And I'm Alice Levine, and we are the presenters of British Scandal, the show where we bring you stories from this green and not always so pleasant land. Alice, we've taken on plenty of British scandals on the show, but what do you think is the biggest modern British scandal? Are you referring, I presume, to the Colin the Caterpillar versus Cuthbert cake debate? 
funnily enough, it does involve a birthday cake. How about a man who, up until recently, was the most powerful person in the country? From his turbulent upbringing to his debauched university days to the many, many scandals that mark his premiership, we're taking a deep dive into the world of the most scandalous Prime Minister Britain has ever seen. Can you guess what it is? Surely not the artist formerly known as Bojo. Listen to our series on Boris Johnson wherever you listen to your podcasts or listen one week early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Splash, 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 apply a little splash When your windshield's getting dirty, just apply a little splash When your windshield's full of grime, bugs, dirt and snow Just use a little splash and be safe on the road Apply a little splash When your windshield's getting dirty Just apply a little splash See safely on the road When you apply a little splash well, we go from Maryland to the Mafia, from the Beatles to bombs. Yeah, it's politics, rock and roll, sport, television, the space race, and we're joined by some pretty incredible guests. I only wrote stuff that I wanted to hear. If it turned out to be a hit, it was pure dumb luck. With me, Katie Puckridge. And me, Tom Fornice. This is We Didn't Start the Fire, the only podcast started by me, Billy Joel. Search for We Didn't Start the Fire and subscribe now. Hello, I'm Matt Ford. And I'm Alice Levine, and we are the presenters of British Scandal, the show where we bring you stories from this green and not always so pleasant land. Alice, we've taken on plenty of British scandals on the show, but what do you think is the biggest modern British scandal? Are you referring, I presume, to the Colin the Caterpillar versus Cuthbert cake debate? Funnily enough, it does involve a birthday cake. How about a man who, up until recently, was the most powerful person in the country? From his turbulent upbringing to his debauched university days to the many, many scandals that mark his premiership, we're taking a deep dive into the world of the most scandalous Prime Minister Britain has ever seen. Can you guess what it is? Surely not the artist formerly known as Bojo. Listen to our series on Boris Johnson wherever you listen to your podcasts or listen one week early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. You're listening to Dot Com Reddit Land. Welcome back. I'm looking up Reddit's most controversial communities because I want to get a sense of where the Donald fits into the rest of the site. And there's a whole smorgasbord of delightful crud. Here we go. There was a sub for incels, involuntary celibates, a worryingly popular misogynist group of men who blame women for the fact that they can't get laid. That sub got banned in 2017, and where it disappeared, another one called Men Going Their Own Way springs to life. Before that was also banned last year. And then there's this one. The Red Pill is devoted to discussions of male sexual strategy, in which participants are ranked as alpha or beta males, according to Wikipedia. The Red Pill is still up there, but it's quarantined, so you're hit with a warning message if you try to go on to it. I've clicked through to it, uh-huh, and I can see a whole bunch of pretty grim things. One of the posts with the most upvotes, almost 400, is titled, Why Being an Asshole is a Good Thing. Her body, particularly her ass, belongs to you. It was literally developed for your pleasure. And that's one of the more mm, savory lines. And the cream of the crop, king of the roost and Reddit's history of controversial subs, 
That's probably got to go to jailbait, which at one point was the second most searched sub on the site, devoted to creep shots of underage girls. That was back in the early days. It was banned in 2011. Jailbait was one of the biggest stories of the time. The guy who created the sub, known up to that point only as Violent Acres, was later revealed to be a man called Michael Brutch, a cat lover and, apparently, a family man. Feel sorry for the family and the cat. So it looks like the Donalds, just a drop in the ocean in terms of hateful, bigoted people finding a place to blurp out their nonsense. But here's the thing. The Donald remains one of the single longest standing, most controversial communities to be allowed on the site. It was up for five years. How is it allowed to persist for so long? We've got Jefferson back on the phone. You know, our Star Trek guy who loves Captain Sisko. For obvious reasons, we're both bald black men with goatees. Was the Donald something he was aware of back when it was at its peak? There were a lot of users that were very aware of it because its whole nature was to be a place where users could go and, and be what they what I think some of them wanted to be or, or were hiding, which were uh, you know a lot, lot of hate speech, racist rhetoric, and just words used as weapons, which is a kind of a thing that unfortunately Reddit is is used for. Let's say you are in some kind of harbor town where where boats come in and out. Well, you've got all these these racist and misogynists coming off the boat. They don't know where to go for their their thing, so they're just this bar, this restaurant, this place, this place, and then suddenly this new building pops up that is in support of one of the worst people that we ever could have had in office. Then you all flock there. It's self-contained. It's more of a be here and you can say the things you want to say without repercussions. Instead of going here, where if you say those things, you could get banned. We're not going to do that to you here. Come here. We're all one happy racist group. I want to get Jefferson's thoughts on Jody. Because the thing is, Jody's politics? Not exactly my jam at all. America first smells like regression to me, and he's obviously blinkered by his own right-leaning prejudices. He doesn't like it when I mention the Capitol riots. I would never call it an insurrection, considering nobody's been charged with anything more than trespassing, basically. The Trump riot, then? I wouldn't call it the Trump riot, either. You can call it uh, a, a event that got out of hand. But doesn't follow the same logic when talking about race relations. The BLM riots. Plus, his whole not-in-my-backyard thing about trans people is such a tired non-point. That kind of stuff causes real harm to real people while you can sit back and proclaim your innocence at the same time abdicating your own part in the prejudice. But where should I draw the line in my criticism? Because he's more or less a reasonable guy, happy to disagree, and he's not crazy. He's very careful to tell me how little time he had for the QAnon supporters. We knew it was trash. We tried to tell people it was trash. But even so, is he accountable for what went on in the sub? I'm just a, a normal American dad, husband, that, um, you know, I just might not agree with him on everything. I do not advocate for violence. Uh, I do not 
advocate for racism at all. There were a lot of things that I disagreed with, but because I disagree with it doesn't mean it should be silenced. So I asked Jefferson what he thinks about that. Well, it's a shame that this interview isn't going to be on video so that you can see me roll my eyes. You know, the last few times, I mean, they, they almost disappeared. There's always going to be a, a watered-down explanation about, about this kind of thing. He certainly had the ability to shape how the community looked, how it ran, how it operated. Okay, I, th- I think I can, I can go ahead and, and believe what the original purpose was, but then you have a responsibility for how you see it going. And Jefferson's got a point. I'm not sure how hard Jody really tried to sort out these hateful characters. Because first of all, it sounded like he was making excuses for them when he said... And these were people who, most, for the most part, had a bad day. And that thing he said about banning them was also interesting. These guys violated Reddit's terms of service, and we'd have to ban them um, because we didn't want to get banned as well. But we'd address it usually in appeals and in comments uh, between us in private. And a lot of the times we'd unban them. Right. So once they said they were sorry, they were allowed straight back on? And note what Jody said about why he banned them. Not because they were doing something shonky, because we didn't want to get banned as well. So it sounds like a bunch of single-minded people scratching each other's backs. If you are a Trump supporter, God help you. In this country, basically, you have the right to do and say just about anything you want. You can, you can drive around with Nazi flags, Confederate flags, or, or whatever it is. Because in the U.S., we have this kind of convenient constitution of the United States that there are members of society that have found a way to turn and twist to support what they do. Right. So, is Jody culpable for the twisted direction that Donald took? Jody was certainly culpable. You can't pick and choose when you're going to be just an internet janitor or when you're going to hold responsibility for either uh, passively or actively allowing things to happen. So I would say, yes, regardless of your intention of creation, you're culpable because these things were allowed to happen under your watch. But here's my question. Culpable for what, exactly? What actually was the impact of the Donald beyond the sub itself? Because when I was talking to Amelia about the 2017 Charlottesville rally, the one where Heather Heyer was killed, she made an intriguing point. I wasn't sure about that one. Like, is there evidence that a lot of the people actually did come from Reddit? Because I think one of the difficulties with that kind of thing is a lot of these people want to do stuff but only within the scopes of what they can do online so it's like let's all harass this journalist um let's all buy these stocks but when it comes to physically showing up i don't know if they have the same power so i I mean i don't know about that example was i don't know if anybody measured it did it correlate that a lot of people came from reddit i'm not sure we ask jefferson what he thinks and this is where it gets interesting the odds of anything on Reddit contributing to a a protest movement, et cetera, et cetera, is very slim. Reddit, for the most part, is not going to affect change on anything. We're keyboard warriors. We're really hot shit when it comes to typing on a keyboard, but no actual confrontation. 
Okay, now I'm confused. What's the problem then? Because the Donald was banned for a reason, and I don't believe Jody when he says it was because of political bias from the admin. You're going to silence over a million Redditors. That makes no sense. It was very, very clearly politically motivated. But if Jefferson's right, and the Donald was just all talk and no walk, all smoke and no fire, then why was it banned? Does something have to develop into a bite for us to consider it a threat? The problem was that it was it was continuing to support and embolden the white supremacy, white nationalism, the, the racism, the bigotry to come out of the woodwork. And then he says... And it's actually, the, the connection is from real life to the online part, not the reverse. These people see that, well, if I am out in the open, as much as I want to be, and I know that I can be, because now, instead of having a small semblance of wanting to keep it under wraps because of, of thoughts or fear of any kind of real-world repercussions, this guy has has helped us be able to be and do things we've always wanted to do, which was open racism and, and hate speech. So that's completely the opposite of what I've been thinking. The line of impact doesn't go from the online to the offline, but the other way around. The danger of the Donald wasn't necessarily that it made everybody go to racist rallies and start punching gay people on the street, but that it gave permission to people who already had those views, but had learned to keep the lid on it. They'd taken their masks off. What about the admin, though? It's the fappening all over again, but times like a million? The fappening sub came down after six days. The Donald was up for five years, which many people think was too long. We know the history of this site and the history of the leadership, that it was more of a squashing a PR nightmare. It's kind of difficult to be able to say, well, did you care before it became a publicly known issue? Uh, and if so, why didn't you do anything about it then? Because the time to do something about an issue is before it's become public knowledge. So how does Jefferson see the relationship between the Reddit community and the Reddit admin who rule from on high? Is it a happy marriage? Mm, no. I, I, it's, I mean, it's not an unhappy marriage, but it's generally been a constant struggle to get admins to assist moderators or to, to do things to help make our volunteer time um, effective. So it's not a cohesive, happy unit. It's more, it's more like a divorce when you have to live close to your spouse and you share children. Love that analogy. <laughs> and the admin's reluctance to clamp down on hate speech hasn't helped. Alexis Ohanian showed in 2019 where he stands on the issue when he stepped down from the board. That is what it looks like when you have someone that is willing to do more than just talk about it. And a lot of people wouldn't have done something like that. And he was replaced by a Black candidate, a guy called Michael Seibel. But movements in San Francisco have been less sure. After George Floyd's murder and the Black Lives Matter protests, Steve Huffman creates a team to monitor and remove spam and abuse. But as far as I can tell, nobody's really that sure what they actually do, and it's kind of hard to find any information on it. But get this, they're called anti-evil operations. I mean, 
That just sounds like something from Austin Powers. So back to the Donald. What would Jefferson have done in Steve's position? Because there's also this constant issue that banning just disperses the crowds into more niche and possibly even more extreme corners of the web, which is exactly what happened. The Donald sub becomes the website thedonald.win, which Jody tells me is very quickly taken over by actual Nazis. We had a guy who literally spent two hours one day telling me how the Holocaust was all BS, who had also, you know, shortly after he got engaged, told the entire moderator team in public he was marrying her because she was more Nazi than me. And those were his exact words. These guys, I considered them to be um, just as dangerous and just as determined as any terrorist organization out there. Everybody needs to do a much better job at um, identifying, tracking these guys down. And I'm not saying they should be banned from the internet. I'm a, I believe in free speech. I think the best thing for them is to be able to say their things in public so people can see it and call them the idiots that they are. What we had was a situation of the devil you know instead of the devil you don't know. And I get it. I, I, I totally understand that there's a positive and negative for the Donald. If I ban this place, what do you, they're not gonna just disappear. But what I would do is I would, I would at least make that effort to make it known that if I'm going to keep it going, this is the reason. It's not because I think it's good. It's not because I support racism or white nationalism. It's because I can keep the riffraff in, in one contained place. But instead, it was a reactionary, here's the big move. We need a big move to sway public attention. So obviously we're going to ban this community and ban all these other ones, make us look good. We're gonna put commercials on the Super Bowl and, and everything else. That is all very reactionary. There's no such thing as proactive when it comes to, when it comes to this site. Smoke and mirrors, all fart, no shit. I'll bark, no bite. I'll talk and no walk. That's what I'm hearing. Would he put CEO Steve Huffman in the same box as Jody? Not directly responsible, but sort of culpable for the hateful content on the Donald? Culpable for the content, no. But being responsible for where it went and for how long, I would say, yes, you do have some responsibility there. I want to know if Jefferson thinks the bans changed anything on Reddit. And what does he think we're going to see in the next year or so? Because Trump's threatening to run in the 2024 election. Will the Donald 2.0 make a dazzling comeback? One thing is, is, is that it's been shown that there are actions that will be taken. Now you know that if you create a community like the Donald, that it's going to get squashed. I'm getting an idea now of how simple words of anger can link together letter by letter to build something more dangerous. Entire novels that tell the tale of bigotry and spite and how they can take over the soul. It's tempting to deal with these stories by chucking them in the dumpster and ignoring their authors. But something that Amelia said is coming back to me. On the one hand, it's great to find a community. It's great to find common interests. And on the other hand, uh, we're on our phones so much. You know, if you're waking up in the morning and going to this place because you know you're going to see something that gives you a serotonin boost, I think it can be dangerous. I think it can lead you to have obsessions. We really have to resist the, the troll 
trope. I mean, the word troll is so overused now as to actually be redundant. Just resisting this idea that everyone is some evil kind of basement dwelling um, cartoon troll. And actually, we're dealing with real people with incredibly complex motives and varied lives and lifestyles. And ordinary people can do terrible things online. And, and not just because they're anonymous, unfortunately, as we've seen um, with the abuse of celebrities. Um, because something about the act of being online perhaps allows us to dehumanize each other and to speak to each other in ways that we wouldn't speak to each other offline and it isn't a cliche or caricature you know anyone can get sucked into anything um, or can create anything which on the one hand is beautiful and the other hand is terrifying (laughs) so maybe it's more subtle than that maybe sometimes it's not as simple as Us over here with our angel wings and those guys over there with I'm bad tattooed on their forehead. And just maybe, at some point, we all have to understand the role that we play. Recognize when holding up your hand and saying, hey, I had no idea, don't blame me, just isn't good enough. In our next and final episode of .com Reddit Land... I think they talk a good game, but they're not actually putting the work into it, and that makes it worse. And they have some of the worst users on the internet. All roads lead to Rome, or in this case, to San Francisco. The stories of the last five episodes have been shadowed by the murky office of the admin. That has certainly been a common trend with Reddit since the very beginning. They're very territorial, they're very private. It's the tale of Reddit, the company, where it started almost two decades ago and how it became what it is. Because it's been a rocky ride involving betrayal, secrecy, and as we'll find, suicide. .com is a Crowd Network original and is presented by me, Katie Puckrick. It's written and produced by Anna Stauffenberg and is edited by Crawford Blair. The music we use is from our partners BMG Production Music. You can now subscribe to the Crowd Stories channel on Apple Podcasts to get ad-free versions of the show and other ones like Murder in House 2 and American Vigilante. So if you're a total documentary and history nut, check it out. And if you want another Crowd podcast to listen to, I've got a mighty good one for you. It's called We Didn't Start the Fire. It's a history podcast based on the hit song by Billy Joel, who, as it transpires, is only the very best history teacher I've ever had in my live long life. Tom Fordyce and I talk to historians, mega fans, and eyewitnesses of the most incredible stories from the post-war period. And some of my favorites have been Marlon Brando with Jonathan Ross, and then there was one on the Vietnam War with the history man himself, Dan Snow, and then, don't forget, Brigitte Bardot with the wunderbar Caroline O'Donoghue. I don't know why I did wunderbar when Brigitte Bardot is French and Caroline O'Donoghue is Irish, but... I'm American, and this is an international podcast. Check it out. Just search for We Didn't Start the Fire in your podcast app. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.
Have you ever wondered about those people in life who don't play by the rules? We have a name for these people. We call them cheats. He is a con man and he is a cheat. We marvel at their rise and then we take a weird pleasure in their fall. I have let my country down and let myself down. I'm Alzo Slade. In this series, we're going to dig underneath the surface to meet the cheats. And we're going to ask ourselves, are cheats actually not so different from you and me? Cheat from something else. Listen now wherever you get your podcast. In a country run by billionaires and triads, one gangster decides to go it alone. To have a guy like that with bombs and AK-47s and putting billionaire sons in boxes is, is scary. And his actions provoke a geopolitical crisis that leaves Hong Kong in pieces. From Kindling Media and Vespucci, this is Bad Money. Season 1, Big Spender. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. In a country run by billionaires and triads, one gangster decides to go it alone. To have a guy like that with bombs and AK-47s and putting billionaire sons in boxes is, is scary. And his actions provoke a geopolitical crisis that leaves Hong Kong in pieces. From Kindling Media and Vespucci, this is Bad Money. Season 1, Big Spender. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. In a country run by billionaires and triads, one gangster decides to go it alone. To have a guy like that with bombs and AK-47s and putting billionaire sons in boxes is, is scary. And his actions provoke a geopolitical crisis that leaves Hong Kong in pieces. From Kindling Media and Vespucci, this is Bad Money. Season 1, Big Spender. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.